Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of December 17th, 2023. Assuming everything went well, I just landed from an extended trip back to the U.S. for the holidays. So obviously I am recording this in the, the distance past. So I really hope I saw some snow for maybe about three minutes max. You know, we shall see how it all goes or went. I hope everyone kind of has some nice plans for end of year times and all of that, and that we're heading into the new year on a good fresh note. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 278, data contracts for the rest of us, approaching contracts in a non-tech heavy company, an interview with Ryan Collingwood. Though this one was all about empathy and data contracts, which, you know, are two things I, I love to talk about. Ryan implemented a slimmed down version of data contracts at his organization because they aren't tech heavy or savvy enough to be able to do the, the tech contracts or the data contracts as presented by the way, you know, most organizations are talking about them, especially, you know, you look at like Andrew Jones's book was a big inspiration, but, you know, we had to slim them down. So we talked about how to actually strip approaches like data contracts, but especially data contracts down to their core and then still deliver the value, if not the startup kind of implementation of cert- certain approaches while still staying true. I think this is important for data mesh because I think, you know, there's the kind of by the book approach to it, but you kind of have to slim it down for what your organization can handle and when. Now on Friday, we have episode 279, driving towards a cohesive developer experience at the expense of maybe Snowflake and Databricks, Jamax corner number 32. So here are some key points. We need API first technologies and data, not just offering APIs, but being able to integrate seamlessly with each other, the tools via API. We have that in software, but it's been a long time coming in data. We want an actual modern data stack where we are using tools from different things, but they integrate well. We need to have tooling providers actually make a real change to make this API integration possible. Simple made easy. We need to make the things simple for data product development and consumption. It's not simplistic, but we need to remove the unnecessary complexities. And there are a heck of a lot of unnecessary complexities. There are enough complexities that are necessary, right? When you think about context and all that, let's remove the unnecessary ones. 
And overall, there is such a trend in data where people aren't building things that remove toil. There is this assumption of increasing complexity of use cases, but so much of the work is not that complicated. We need to make it so most people can do most of the work relatively easily without making it overly simplistic. Easier said than done, of course, but it is what Jamak's working on, and, and I'm starting to talk to a few other uh, organizations that are really starting to get it, and, and I hope we can see the tooling change in that direction. But with that, we're going to go on to the extended summary for Ryan's episode. Extended summary for episode 278, Data Contracts for the Rest of Us, Approaching Contracts in Evolving Companies, an interview with Ryan Collingwood. So in this episode, I interviewed Ryan, who's the head of data and analytics at Oroton Group. To be clear, though, he was only representing his own views on the episode. Ryan started off with some framing of how he looks at tech approaches in general, but especially how he started looking at data contracts. Most paradigms are presented as if Every organization is very techy, like a tech startup. With data contracts, much of the content, quote, there was this assumption that you had multiple teams of people that had a fairly high degree of te technical sophistication, or maybe even data was their primary focus. So when a less techy company wants to leverage the paradigm, like data contracts, there is always some adjustments necessary. And when it comes to those types of companies, it's so much more about the people than the way most paradigms are presented. It makes some sense because every org's ways of working and culture are different, so you can't you know, lay that out perfectly in a paradigm, but it can still feel very removed from reality for less tech-heavy companies when they're looking at these tech approaches or, or paradigms. When focusing specifically on data contracts, Ryan's company is far more batched than streaming, so trying to even leverage the best advice, and you know, Scott note here, I highly recommend Andrew Jones and his book for that. He had to adjust some aspects to a world where things were a bit more messy and with teams that aren't as data mature. When approaching how to tweak data contracts to still work, he asked the crucial question, quote, what are the trade-offs that I can make while still being true to the value and benefits that I want to get out of this? Ryan moved into what he sees as minimum value or viable value aspects of data contracts. You need two parties, you need an agreement of some kind that is recorded, and you need access to data that conforms to that agreement. As to the parts of the agreement Ryan focused on, he focused on two factors at the start, semantics and data quality. If people can't understand the data, can they really use it? They don't understand the quality, can they really trust it enough to rely on it? So they work to create a data dictionary and also provide people a better understanding of the different angles on quality. Um, personal note here, this approach could somewhat disagree with the idea many have around data contracts of merely publishing data with SLAs, because while there is a consuming party, there aren't really, they aren't really part of an agreement. They kind of just have a click through, uh, you know, okay, yes, I agree to this. They only choose to use the data based on existing SLAs or, or a contract around it. 
there's a lot of nuance, but I highly believe in the communication heavy aspect Ryan and Andrew Jones both present. Chad Sanderson is kind of on the other side of that. So I, I, I fall on the Andrew Jones kind of side of that camp. Often, when comparing with what was presented for a tech-heavy company to what is possible at a more regular organization can be disheartening, according to Ryan. The idea that the end picture at your organization should look like the one that was presented in these, these tech approaches, these paradigms, is pervasive. So it's not only hard to adapt the approach, but then you wonder if you even captured the value. Can you even call it data contracts or whatever you're working on? Imposter syndrome is very common here. Scott note, personal note, you know, you could definitely call what Ryan and his team are doing data contracts. Ryan also talked about how in data contracts, you must build for change. Change is the only constant after all. Ayulia Vervara said that on uh, one of our panels. So creating systems that don't handle change well is a great way to manufacture more headaches down the road. Much like in software testing, you can more easily tell when something no longer works and needs to be changed. And when the data team is the actual data producer, you know, if the data teams are the ones transforming the data, that's often the case that they are considered the, the data producer, or at least if they're the only group of, of people that consumers talk to with a centralized data team, again, they're considered the data producer. So when the data team is the actual producer, they are much more sure that what they're doing is correct if they've got this testing in place. Another key learning Ryan had along the journey was that when displaying data quality, you know, make the metrics more easy to understand to the layperson. Historically, data quality has often been measured with complex, complex statistics. Most people can't easily read the charts from that to understand what's going on. Make the data quality metrics understandable so people can see progress, but also get a sense of how well they can rely on data. It is a sad truth that you can deliver value, but if you can't get others to see that value, it isn't valued, right? You can deliver value that isn't valued. It's going to be valuable, but, you know, showing that value gets people to lean in. Ryan dug a big bit deeper into creating systems that act with empathy. If you approach data contracts as consumers only get what the producer shares, that doesn't end up serving the end needs that well. But if you are treating the contracts as the culmination of multiple conversations, the producer can start to really understand the impact of bad data. How much work do data consumers have to actually do to use the data? This is where empathy and product thinking comes in. Quote, data, as we know, it is merely a side effect of activity of stuff happening. Ryan believes we need to move past the ones and zeros thinking in data and focus on what the data, what it actually reflects and how that impacts the people in the organization. Conversations can be hard, but they give you the context necessary to maximize the impact of your deep systems work. You know, this deep data work, you need to have the conversations to understand what you're trying to do. Talking with people can help both parties bridge the gap between understanding what is happening again in the real world versus the data. Andrew Padilla and I did episode 99 on, on this topic. And I think there's a lot of really fun and philosophical uh, stuff in that episode. Internally in Ryan's org, they wanted to review their general processes. Part of that was the uncomfortable truth that change, especially to processes, impacts the data. 
So that review created a great opportunity to start to implement data contracts. It wasn't about telling people they were doing data contracts. It was about getting people bought in to what value could be delivered if they did data quality and trust better. It just happened to be via data contracts. When actually starting out, Ryan looked for one ally that was willing to take on some of the complexity of dealing with data contracts and saw the potential benefits, right? Instead of trying to convert the whole organization at the front, it was contained and let Ryan learn how to implement data contracts well in his specific organization. That initial success gave him confidence to move further and the the success story to entice additional partners and allies. Ryan discussed the push and pull of data quality and value. While it might be valuable to have a long history of data, is the cleanup worth it? Really have conversations that make hard choices that align to return on investment instead of merely do consumers want it. Similarly, people need to confront the idea of data being right or wrong. They need to consider what is the cost of some data being wrong, especially slightly off. That's for a regulator. Potentially, it's a high cost. But if it's your weekly marketing leads report and it's off by 0.2%, how big of a deal is that? And how much trust is lost if it's quote-unquote wrong, if it's off by a bit? Can we get people to understand data is never 100% clean or right? Getting people to act on signals on what the directionality of the data is will likely be somewhat challenging, but it's a better way to navigate than trying to for exact measurement in many or most all use cases. Ryan wrapped up uh, back on dealing with yourself and others with empathy. You might not get it right at first, but if there's trust, you can iterate towards better. That goes for your data, your processes, and your relationships. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music.